Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Not So Rare podcast. I am Liz Beauvais, and we have Taylor Lewis, and we have a very serious, could be fun, could be serious, could be emotional topic to talk to you about today. So we are two young women, and um, we wanted to talk a little bit more about dating with a rare disease and relationships with a rare disease and what that looks like from our perspective, Um, something that... I think our friends might take for granted is when they're dating, when they're looking for relationships, they don't necessarily have the baggage that a rare disease patient has to bring into a relationship. And so today we wanted to talk through our thoughts on how even starting a relationship looks like or what goes through our minds as we're looking at relationships. Um, And I'm Hoping Taylor can share some really great experiences from her past relationships as well of what being in a relationship could be like for a rare disease patient. So Taylor, do you want to give me a little bit of background on kind of when you started dating again after you you realized you had something rare and what that looked like for you? Hey guys. So yeah, we're really putting it out there today. We're talking about dating. So From the beginning, as I've talked about before, I'm somebody who in the past would hide, 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 hide this thing, right? I saw this as a weakness. I saw this as something I didn't want other people to know about me. And it wasn't something that was coexisting with just me in general and what that looked like in other areas of my life. So we've talked about school, we've talked about work, but the other part of life, and this is a pretty big part of life as well as dating and relationships and what that looks like. So kind of giving a little bit of a rundown. So I'll talk about my relationship with Alex a bit, uh, especially because he'll be able to (laughs) approve me talking about this. And I think that this is the most relevant in all aspects of things of really opening up about this and what that looked like for us. So from the start of things, this was probably a month or two into dating, I, if you know me, was a huge, huge, huge Kobe Bryant fan. I absolutely loved him. Um, him passing was like, oh, it was horrible. So I had these tickets for the Lakers to play the Pacers. Alex and I both um, lived in downtown Indianapolis at the time. I was going to a different school than him. So I was located directly downtown and he was a little bit south. Um, and so I got these tickets and I'm pumped. Like, I am so excited to go. Like, this is, this is like the dream for me every time I get to see Kobe play. So that week I got really sick out of like nowhere. And I was having like a lot of issues with like vomiting and, and bladder issues and all kinds of stuff going on fever, the whole, the whole nine yards. So I got to the point where I was like, tonight's the game and I am clearly unwell. Like I'm not even able to get out of bed. The thought of even getting to a hospital sounded intense. And I knew that in my mind, I couldn't go to this game, but I was going to do everything I could to make sure I could get there. So me hiding things like usual, I get myself to the ER early in the morning that day after class. And um, keep in mind, I had an online class. That was a huge help at the time. So I get myself to the ER and I'm there and I'm like trying to like 
downplay everything, but make sure I get some kind of care. Cause I was like, I can't get stuck here tonight. Like that was my biggest fear of like, I can't end up here. So I downplay a lot and the nurses and the doctor come back in. And of course I have like a kidney infection among like, um, what did they say? Like strep throat. Like I had some stuff going on. So I, they told me I needed like a IV and antibiotics at the time. And that they felt like I needed to stay over that night due to my fever being as high as it was. And like, I'm not one to go out when I'm sick. I'm not trying to get other people contagious or anything like that. But like, that just goes to show like how important this game was to me. And it was a date with him. So that was like, you know, really important to me. And so I had these tickets on my phone that I got on StubHub and I said, I'll send these tickets to you. And, um, I was like, I'm not feeling well. And he kept saying like, Hey, can I come over? Like, I'll bring some soup for you. See how you're doing. Uh, is there anything I can help you with? And I kept saying, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Like, I'm totally fine. Just need my rest not even like disclosing that I was in a hospital. And I'm not sure if that's like me wanting to hide that, or if that was me just like not really understanding too, that that is a big deal to some people going to a hospital and being admitted. So after he takes his friend to the game, he's like, Hey, can I see you tomorrow? Can I come bring over soup? And me still in the hospital, like trying to downplay it, like, Oh, you know, maybe like maybe another time this week. And it was at that moment that I couldn't make more excuses, like not trying to lie to this guy, but I'm trying to, in some sense, not have to open up about everything going on with me physically right away. Cause it's like a lot to have to share. There's so much going on in that story, Taylor. Um, and I have so many questions for you, but I think that what you just said is so true to all of us, whether you're in a serious relationship or you're looking for a serious relationship. Um, I'm single. So I, something I've thought about a lot is how do you know when the other person is ready for this? Because there's one thing for you to, you yourself have to be ready. It's one thing for you yourself to have to deal with this in your life, but opening up to someone and bringing them into your inner innermost circle it becomes part of their lives too. And like, it's, it's that question of, I I was really just hoping to go to a basketball game. I don't know if I'm ready to go there yet. Like how, how did you feel having to put him off and not really open up to him? I felt horrible about it. Like I didn't want to keep anything from him, but I was really worried because this was really early on in our relationship. And my fear was, is this going to scare him off? Cause I think that's a legitimate fear to have for us with rare disease. Like knowing what I know now about him, like I wouldn't approach it the same way. And I think I'd be more open about it earlier on, but I think there is a part of it too, of like, there's so much unknown with our disease that if he has questions, how do I answer them? How do I like tell him really where things are at with me without even knowing from the doctors myself? And it, it's also that question of, we just started. Am I like, I, maybe I really am enjoying this relationship, but like how into it is he yet? Like, is he ready to think about some sort of commitment with this? It's not going away. No matter what happens, it's probably not going away and he's in it for life with it. 
And it, it's really hard to put that pressure on someone, especially if you're so early into your relationship with them. Yeah. It's funny. Just kind of like how, how I opened up to him more about it was the same way. I feel like I tend to open up about it before I gained acceptance of, I have to open up about it because one, I need help. And two, like I'm in like crisis mode of health. So like it takes me to be at a point where my health isn't good for me to be like, okay, this is going on, you know, like that kind of thing. And I remember when I visited his family up, um, they live near Chicago. I drove up for a weekend. I ended up needing to go to the emergency room. And that's kind of when things got real. I was just going to ask, when did you bring him in? Like at what point in your relationship? But tell me more about what happened at his family's house. Because it, it, this was before you even told him really most of it, right? Right. So I think trying to explain this disease was challenging in itself. Um, and I think a big part of it began when he saw me take medicine. And if you see us take medicine, it's not like we're taking two little pills and calling it a day. Like I have, and a lot of them are vitamins. Don't get me wrong, but my medicine alone, like that was prescribed was probably eight pills. And then on top of that's my vitamins. So it looks like there's something going on with what Taylor's taking. And he's like, what are those pills for? And I was like, oh man, here we go. (laughs) I was like, this is the start. So that time I sat him down, we kind of talked about it. And, you know, I said, I have this thing going on. Um, I don't like it to interfere with my life, but it's something that I do have to manage and is very real and something I have to take care of. And, you know, it's a chronic condition. And I explained more about like the science behind it and what it is. Um, but I think like, I had the best response from him and I got very lucky. And I don't think that it would be that way for everybody. I think that he took it so well and was so supportive and understanding, but I just always had that fear. Will this scare somebody off? And I think I even have that with my friendships as well. Like when, when do you get to a point in any sort of a relationship where enough is something's just too much. Um, and I think that a lot of rare disease patients will relate with that of sometimes relationships end, sometimes friendships end just because it's too much for someone. And that it happens. It's unfortunate, but it's trying to figure out, is this the right person to have in my life for the long term? Because they're going to need to have to accept this and not just accept it. They're going to need to have to help me with it. Yeah, I can tell you from my experience that if this person, one, is an understanding of your condition, isn't empathetic or compassionate towards you about it, and doesn't want to learn more and and what their role is in this, they're not right for you. Realistically, that can't last if you don't have this person that can give you that support and give you that care because we already feel so alone in our journey. The last thing we need is like somebody who is supposed to be our like second half, right? Tell us that it's too difficult or um, whatever it may be. And I think everybody has that right. Not to say that everybody should have to take on 
dating somebody who is dealing with a chronic illness, because I think everybody has their own opinions with that. But if you want somebody for you and you want somebody who loves and respects you, they will do those things. I think the other half of it too, and it's something I think every rare disease patient deals with as part of their acceptance journey is knowing that you are worthy to have a relationship. You are, you should be able to have love. You should be able to date. You should be able to experience everything that everyone else experiences. And a lot of that comes with self-care and self-love, but you have every right to be out there and dating just as much as someone who doesn't have a rare disease. Yeah. And this may get a little dark here, but I think that it's important to share part of my rare disease is truly not knowing how long I'm going to live. Right. And I know that's like a really morbid question to talk about. And I, you know, I want to live a long, full life, but we don't know quite what that looks like, like what complications will come up, what kind of things. And so as I was dating at and just going through it, I almost felt like this guilt of like not knowing the answers to those things to share with my partner. And the same thing came when it comes to having kids and me on this journey of beginning surrogacy, when I had difficulty accepting that part of my reproductive health, my therapist said to me, so just because you have this, you don't think you should live a full life. Just because you have this, you think you should sell yourself short. And it really got me thinking, why don't I deserve all those things that everybody else has? Because we do. We don't know when our time is going to be. Nobody can answer that. And and to think, here we go getting morbid again, but we could go get hit by a car tomorrow. We don't know. We can't predict that. So that's not fair to ourselves. And that's not fair to those around us to have that mindset instead of engaging in these relationships, engaging in everything that we want in life, because we can do these things and we can accept them. And I think that as much as we're trying to share this message with you, it's something that Taylor and I both still are working through a lot. It's not something that you get acceptance with and then you move on. It's you're constantly trying to accept this in your life and trying to bring it not even in your life, but the lives of the people around you and you're worth it. You, you should be able to have those relationships. Um, maybe it takes you a little while to open up. Maybe you don't share everything right away and you bring someone in when you're ready and they're ready. I think the time has to be right for it to happen. Um, Taylor, can you like, just talk a little bit about when you started having discussions with Alex about your disease and the impact, what that looked like, like, how did you even go about those conversations? So I think there's different ways you can have this conversation. I think everybody's different. And I think it has to come when you feel ready inside of you to share this. And I would say, don't wait too long. I ended up not waiting very long at all. Like it ended up being about two months, three months into the relationship. We've been together for over six years now. So from pretty much the very beginning, I had shared this um, because I was like, okay, you shouldn't have to be in the hospital to like not let him know what's going on. And so I sat him down. We had the talk. 
And I really expressed like, I guess my needs in the relationship and what I needed from him to make sure that my health was safe and everything regarding that. And I even was upfront too. And I know that this would scare people off and this is a lot, but I talked about babies from the very beginning. I talked about my reproductive health and what I knew about it at that time. And every time I'd bring him to an appointment, I think we were probably dating six months when I took him to Cincinnati for the first time. So I wanted to bring him into my world and show him what that looked like and what like a day at the doctors was like for me. And I told my doctors like, be open. I don't care. Like this is part of me and this is going to have to like be part of him too. If we, if we date long-term and, and so for me, I said, let's talk about, like, I know that this is uncomfortable and I know we haven't been dating that long, but I don't want to ever lead you on or make you think something that I can't do. So I had those conversations, the difficult ones about fertility with him in the room. So one thing on this podcast that we try to put a lot of focus on is mental health and your anxiety. And I I know I'm not you, but like, if I was preparing for that meeting, I think my anxiety would be at sky high. How did you handle that getting ready for even talking to him about this? So I think for me, there was part of it where I don't want to hide like from a partner. I feel like I can hide from my colleagues at school, at work, but when it comes to a partner, like we owe them that, that just respect. We owe them to know kind of what's going on because they're investing our time, their time in us the same way we're investing our time in them. And I just think that it comes down to that respect part that he deserves to know like these things about me as we're getting to know each other. And as we're dating, because as much as I don't want it to be part of me, it is. And it's something that I have to manage day to day. And, and that ultimately brought a lot of relief for me when I did open up and share those things, because once that was on the table, I was like, okay, here I am, you know, like that's pretty much as ugly as it's going to get for me. So, um, you know, there's my baggage. There had to have been almost a level of relief after you finally told him what you needed to tell him. You finally didn't have this secret that you were texting saying you were just sick, but you were actually in the hospital. Like it, you probably got so much relief from just not having to hide it anymore. Yeah. And I've had situations where that hasn't been positive in the past. And like I said before, if it's not positive, it's not a right fit. And that's okay. That's okay on both ends. And you will find like your person that you're meant to be with and understands you and loves you unconditionally. And I think to, to remember that you deserve all of those things. Anytime you may feel you're unworthy or, or somebody deserves better than you, you need to get out of that mindset. I think it's one we probably all feel at one point or another with this disease of like, I'm not quote unquote normal in the sense of what I can bring to the relationship and my health and my ability to have children in the future. But that doesn't change that I'm still able to do those things. We're able to take different routes and we're able to do different things that don't let that bring you down. And as someone who is single, uh, anyone out there, I'm looking for love here, but um, 
I think it's really hard for me to even try to bring myself to start a relationship. Um, we're in the world of online dating right now. Um, I think COVID kind of exacerbated that a little bit. And it's hard to even look at some of those profiles and be like, what do I put for ki- What do I put for the, do you want children question? Yeah, I do want children. But if I say that, is the person going to instantly think that that's something that'll be really easy to happen? I don't know. So there's, there's a lot of anxiety that I think even goes into getting yourself ready to be out there again for a relationship. Yeah. And like I said, I think go at whatever pace you all are willing to go. You don't need to bring him to the appointment six months. in if you're not ready yet, he's going to eventually, he or she is going to observe like your life and, and they're going to observe your day-to-day practices. It didn't take long for Alex to be like, why are you taking those pills? You know, like they're going to pick up on things that we just do automatically and don't even think of. So I think like the earlier you can share those and you don't have to be like spilling it all out per se, but just little pieces here and there take so much weight off your shoulders. And I think the little pieces here and there also help prepare your significant other as well. It's a lot to take in. Um, I know Taylor and I have both been very open about our journeys and they're both pretty traumatic. And it's a lot to put that on someone and putting it in in small doses before you're ready for the big jump, I think helps them as well. It helps them process. It helps them start to connect the dots a little bit. I think it's better to do it small before you jump in just to just to see how it's going to see if they're ready for it yet. Yeah. And I think just kind of everything we've talked about today too. I just want everybody to like, remember as we're talking about this, that like you deserve all of these things. I, there was a time I didn't believe that I didn't believe that I deserve to find somebody, marry somebody, have children with somebody. There was a part of me that when I was going through it and trying to accept this journey, I felt like a burden in relationships. And I felt like, what if I can't do these things? What if I, you know, what if I don't live up to their expectations? But I think like flip that around, remember your expectations. Remember that we have one life to live and we deserve to live that fully. And if they can't understand that, live it for you. It's such a strong message, Taylor. And I think it's something that all of our listeners need to keep reminding themselves. You are worth it. You you can do just about everything that you want to do. You might have to modify it a little bit, but you can still have the life that you want to have, even though you have a rare disease. So everyone, I know that that was very emotional, um, but thank you for listening with us today. And really thank you for listening with us through the past several months. This has been been an exciting journey for Taylor and I, and we're really appreciative of everything that you as listeners have given to us as well. Um, Wanted to do a little shout out to our Instagram account, the Not So Rare Podcast. You can find us on Instagram. Um, Please send us messages. We, We love hearing from you. We love hearing your thoughts on the, on what we're saying, or if you have any topics that might be of interest to you, we'd definitely be open to incorporating them. So thank you again. And this has been the Not So Rare Podcast.